Hi, it's TT. And I'm Annie. And welcome to our podcast, The Annie and TT Show. Okay, so my question was, in the recession that we experienced back, I mean, we were pretty young, I think, at that time. But it was around 18, well, the one in 2008. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was 18, so yeah, I was pretty, still like youngish. Yeah. Um, I think I was in high school, like eighth or ninth grade. During that, did you notice any sort of different society kind of like build? Mm-hmm. I know you mentioned like you feel like if we do have an economic crisis, um, it'll give us a chance to rebuild society in a different way. Mm-hmm. So did you notice that in the recession before? No, because I think the recession was only the housing market. It didn't affect all areas, whereas now with the pandemic, it affects everything from like clothing stores to local businesses to food industry, even restaurants, coffee shops. I am so stupid that I didn't even know that it was like a housing market thing. (laughs) I thought it was like a full on like economic crisis. No, I'm not familiar with like economics and all that stuff, right? So, no, I don't think you're stupid for that. not knowing. It's just you're knowledgeable. You didn't know, it. and you were young too when you said when it happened. So, it's obviously not going to be of interest to you. Yeah. So, in what ways do you think that if we were to have an economic crisis right now, where like like you said, it's affecting sort of many aspects of everyone's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think that we can benefit in terms of um, how society will be built differently? Listen, I think, um, I just think that you're going to have to come up with a new system to recreate everything. It's not going to be the same going back to old ways. And if it completely crashes, then you're going to have to come up with a new system that actually works. Whereas if the, because you know that the other one failed in the first place. It's interesting because I keep thinking back to the show that I talked to you about the other day. Which one? Um, the, the 100. Oh my god, I started watching it. I'm on season two now. You're um, on season two already? Yeah it's, yeah, it started making me think of when you were mentioning rules before and how we kind of need rules in society or else there's going to be all this chaos. It made me think of the 100 when you said that. I'm on season, like I already finished the seasons on Netflix and then season seven is airing on May 20th. So in a few days and that's the final season, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how it's going to finish off. I don't want to give any spoilers away, but like I've noticed in there, there's been so many societal changes. Like um, I'm trying to like phrase this without giving any spoilers away. But basically, for those who have read the book or, like, watched the show, like, even you're going to understand it the more you go into the, into the series. So they had a certain sort of structure when they were on the arc. And then, I'm sure you saw that in season one. Yeah. And then when they're down on the ground, they have a certain kind of structure. And then you'll see later on how whenever they're in a different sort of environment or a different kind of, like, crisis that's affecting the survival of mankind or humankind or whatever they they have to change like as things go 
that's what I'm saying yeah like your environment affects so much of your personality too it's you're not gonna act in a certain way the same way you are let's say if you're comfortable and everything's working for you if you're not thinking of survival yeah I'm curious to see if we do have some sort of like economic crash like after hearing you talk about it I feel like I'm not as worried and I'm actually looking forward to seeing how things will change because um I was on Facebook earlier today and I saw this one, I, could, I think it was a, a tweet that someone reposted and it was basically like saying many people are kind of struggling mentally with this whole uh, quarantine situation. I know that it kind of got to you as well. Like I remember you mentioning it before, like you didn't think it would affect you, but like it is affecting you now. And even for me, like I'm, I feel myself finding like, um, finding myself very like overstimulated. I'm doing too many things at once because I'm trying to like fill a void, I think. So I would be listening to a podcast while cooking and then like in between cooking, I'm doing something else. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like watching Netflix and then like I'm texting people. And I do sometimes do that in my regular day-to-day life, but now I feel like I'm over doing that. And Yeah, it's been kind of affecting me mentally as well. But then it's important to understand that like we were not exactly doing so well before the pandemic either. Like I know that so many people, for example, were working 12 hour days and it was literally like eat, sleep, work, eat, sleep, work. And then not having much time for family, not being able to um, travel as much as they want to or struggling with paying bills and stuff. And I know that many people, I've, I've even seen on Reddit that most people are seeing how much they took for granted, like spending time with your kids so much. Like you don't get to do that. You know, it's, it's such a luxury that like we don't even think about it when we're at work and we're, we, we kind of have this mindset where it's like, I'm doing this to pay the bills. But then you're just living. You're not, you're, you're surviving. I mean, you're not living. yeah. Because me too, um, I'm so used to being busy all the time that I would just like rush and do whatever. That's why I started a blog, the podcast, and then like rushing to read books, like finish as many as I can, Um, like watching my nieces and nephew, like trying to find different things. But then I I feel like because I'm trying to do so many things at once too, like you said, um, it's mentally draining me and exhausting me mentally too. Like before I was having trouble um, going to sleep on time and waking up on time. Um, Whenever I still had my online classes, I wasn't really struggling with that. But then as soon as that finished, my sleep schedule was down the drain. My eating schedule and like just like my whole like biological clock, I guess it was just like horrible. And now like I'm trying to like get that back and I just, yeah, it's just really hard finding some structure during this whole void because it's like, I feel like I wake up and I don't have much to look forward to. It's been two, almost two months. Looking at my calendar since March 7th or 8th. Hold on. Yeah, it has been two months. Wow, that's ridiculous. Weird. In Montreal too, it's because, and they want to open stuff soon. And already the hospitals are filled in Montreal that they had to send people to Trois-Rivières. And that's not, that's actually kind of far from Montreal, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's an hour and a half or two hours away from here. Yeah, 
So I forget which day it was. I think it was on Sunday. It was so nice outside. And when I tell you, people literally, like quarantine was just done that day. Everybody and their dog was outside. And it was so difficult to even just make one like trip to the grocery store to like grab a few things. Like it was literally like congested in there. And I think I even saw some people from New York posting stuff like this too. Like there's people just like, they don't care anymore because the weather is so nice and they want to be out and about. But unfortunately this virus is like still among us, you know? Yeah, did you see the, um, well, the season where they quarantined everyone in the 100? It kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, but like luckily for them, that only lasted like a day. Mm -hmm. One thing that I really like about the 100 I don't know why it fascinates me so much, but the whole concept of being able to survive with very little, Mm -hmm. it always fascinated me. The minimalist thing, that's when you became a minimalist. But you know, uh, before, I used to be kind of like a hoarder, and then I met you, and you were talking about minimalism, and I started looking more into it. And that's when I started like getting rid of my stuff, selling it, donating it. It's definitely helped me a lot too. And like, I feel like this is something that I would pass on to like future generations as well. Like I don't plan on like buying like a bunch of toys Mm -hmm. and stuff that and stuff like that for my future kids or like even um, things like a crib. I feel like it's very unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm more of a type of a person where it's like, why buy buy a crib for a baby and they can only use it until they're three or four mm-hmm. and then you have to buy a different size bed mm-hmm. from their this age to this age and then a different size bed from this age to this age i'm just like no we're one gonna get a twin size bed that's it one of my friends never had a crib for a baby she just would put pillows around the bed on the floor and like i think it's called uh co-sleeping or like something like that mm-hmm. and i've been looking into it and it's just like it's so crazy because like I would not be thinking this way if I didn't discover minimalism and I feel like it's extended in so many parts of my life that it's just helped me be put more of kind of like a quality mm-hmm. where it's the things that really matter you know such as like being happy and spending my life in a more meaningful way rather than with materialistic stuff. But I don't I don't think I was ever the person that was into materialism. It's just like stuff that people would buy or give to me and I would just gather it and collect it. But then I had no use for it. So I'm like, oh, what am I going to do with this? Might as well just donate it. And my mom too, she would buy me so much stuff. And I don't need it. I was never into the whole materialistic thing. I was never into really shopping and whatnot. For me, it was always experiences that I'd rather spend my money on. Yeah. And I find too, it makes such a difference because when I go to my parents' house and I see like so much stuff, it's like my mind feels cluttered and flustered. And then when I come back to my apartment, there's less stuff. So my mind feels clearer and more relaxed. I think um, that sort of aspect, I got, I definitely got that from you. Really? The minimalism thing? No, the whole like spending on experiences. Mm-hmm. Because I think that was also during when I first met you. Um, I think that's when you were traveling more. Yeah, it was three years ago. I think the reason I decided to travel was when me and my ex, we had broken up and I just, I kind of wanted to just get away. And then when I travel, I'm like, oh, I like how I'm in the moment and I want to do more of that. And I think that's what made me do it. Yeah, definitely. 
and um even for me i realized like like when you were coming back from your trips you were literally like i remember that one trip it was uh cancun i think yeah it was in mexico yeah Yeah. you literally came back from that trip on cloud nine and like i remember like your your brother was saying like this girl comes back from cancun and just pulls a's out of her ass (laughs) for uh university and stuff Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, those kind of grades kind of reflected how like ecstatic and like so happy you were. And after seeing you like that, I realized that instead of spending $2,000 on whatever I feel like getting, I'd rather just travel, mm-hmm. you know? I'd rather put that money towards like a little road trip or even just like a plane ticket. And um, I feel like before meeting you, I put so much value in, uh, like, even though I was starting my journey journey to minimalism, I don't think that I um, was very good with my money in terms of spending because, like, you know, there were certain people in my life who uh, kind of uh, encouraged Sephora bin shopping and skincare and, like, luxury makeup. And it's like, I wasn't even the type of person who... um, indulges in these things on a daily basis mm-hmm. and I remember there was one person I that think spoke with and <laughs> and what you said to her was like so spot on it's like I think she was kind of like a little um a, a bit bothered by mm-hmm. you being able to vacation when she couldn't mm-hmm. and you made a really good point by saying maybe you should stop buying all those creams <laughs> all those expensive like fancy creams from sephora and like save your money and like travel like it's you can't hate me for traveling because like i'm managing my money better and then i i saw myself in that too though Mm. because even though i'm not spending as much as that person why am i buying a cream for 50 dollars? yeah you know i could do so much better and so that's when i kind of like started having a better relationship with my money and that's I think that's really important in my minimalism journey as well because how can I be a minimalist when I'm just like throwing my money away by eating out often and buying random like luxury things just because it feels good or it's like I'm treating myself that's such a whole like I feel like it's so oversaturated the whole like self-love treating yourself kind of thing but I, the reason why I think you feel that way is because there's so much images around us about these beauty standards. And it's like, how do I get rid of that? And then it goes into your subconscious mind and you, you don't even realize consciously that you're doing it, but it's all these images that are surrounding us. So that's why it goes inside. I, that's why I try to stay away from like all these marketing stuff. And uh, unless I really need something, that's when I'll get it. And the only time that I don't ever regret spending my money is on books and experiences yeah um yeah i think that's the one area that we are very from because um i think i take minimalism to a a different extent whenever it comes to i call it paper clutter and physical kind of like things so but it's honestly personal preference because you prefer your paperback books, holding them yeah. and feeling them, whereas I prefer my Kindle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You read faster on a Kindle than a paper book, but for me, like, 
mentally I'd rather have the paper one I don't know I just I like it better but um also I feel like I I I read um the girl on the train on my kindle Mm -hmm. that was one of the very first books that I read I finished it in like a few days and after it was done I really only remembered the major parts of the book rather than those like little like those little things that really make the story and yeah it made me understand that you know slow and steady is kind of like the way to go and I don't know why I was racing through it so much I think it's just like having this new fancy gadget and you just want to race through it whereas with the book you're like you You want to sit and enjoy that's what I feel with the book compared to to cozy up with it and enjoy it yeah Yeah. that's true true. but yeah that's why I started the, the whole like because you, you gave me that idea when you're like, oh, you should take a picture at the end of the year of all the books you read. So this year, I'm like, oh, I just start a story and highlight and put it on that. Like yeah. the books I read in the month. It was from uh, Nicole Ritchie. She is literally like bookworm goals. Yeah. I, I, I guess because of who she used to hang out with and whatnot. I mean, she's so different from when she used to be, like how she used to be, though, like with... Uh, Paris Hilton and all. I mean, she's unrecognizable, honestly. No hate. No hate to anybody. If you want to use any, like, your fancy creams and, like, you want to use all this fancy makeup and you rather spend on these things than experiences, that's fine, you know? But it's, I think there's a limit to traveling because when I went for a month and I came back, but I guess it's because I, I came back to, like, a crappy job. And I was so miserable and it made things worse for me. Um, I guess because I realized too, I'm just wasting my time doing all these things that are not making me happy. It's not even getting me to my career goals. I'm just doing it to survive. And I think that's why I was, a lot of it was why I was miserable too. And then like every week, something new would change at my work and you would have to adapt. And so like they would get mad at you for not getting it right. But it's like you're changing all the rules every time. How do you expect me to just grasp it so quickly? Yeah, that's definitely interesting too, because some people have the luxury to travel and just keep traveling, mm-hmm. which we'd love to do. Yeah. But, you know, traveling needs money. Exactly. So and some people, yeah, they have the money to do it, so... Yeah, but when you're returning to uh, your own life that you're not very happy with, I think in some ways it could be a little harmful. So like, yeah, you're definitely right in saying that it has its limits. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's something that I used to think about as well too. In that intro to Hinduism class that I took before, my professor, he was so funny because he always talked about um, he never how he never understood the culture of people running off to India to find themselves but finding themselves in Bali that's so weird though because not everyone who travels travels because they're escaping something some people just want to learn about another culture they want to explore their options see more of the world has nothing to do with like running away from your problems (laughs) I mean except for the the last time I traveled when I came back from Mexico I was actually running away (laughs) yeah um, it was just funny the way he phrased it because he's like, if you couldn't find yourself here, what makes you think you're going to find yourself in India? And like the whole class was like laughing and everything. And I thought it was interesting the way he phrased it. But then, you know, not everybody is on an eat, pray, love kind of journey, 
you know <laughs> some people just want a different like environment to thrive in for a little bit yeah before returning to their mediocre lives that's true and like i was saying before too like different environments bring out different parts of your personality yeah we saw it in the 100 yeah they had to change who they were because clark on the ark and then clark on the she was she was like goody two shoes on the ark and then when she went to the ground she had to be badass clark yeah but she wasn't my favorite though she's not so far i like raven and octavia yeah raven is one of those characters who like there's kind of like this like thing that they say throughout the series where like we're doing this for the survival of our people and raven is the one person who never really prioritized that yeah. she always looks at the good and looks and looks into like morals like right and wrong whereas other people were willing to do wrong things in order to ensure the survival of their people and whenever they say their people they don't really um they don't really mean the human race they just mean like the sky people or like the grounders you know Mm -hmm. so it's interesting it's like why why do we do that why do we create so much separation i always blamed it on colonialism especially because it plays such a i'm sure it plays a big part in many many different those damn british (laughs) it's those damn british (laughs) those damn british it's always the british yeah i mean look what happened with brexit (laughs) (laughs) they did it again there they go again (laughs) (laughs) but it's true like even having i also realized that even what labels and whatnot we seclude people from other things even though we're all really just the same deep down inside we're humans yeah and like so many people right now are saying we're all in this together during this quarantine pandemic stuff really some people have to be worse <laughs> i mean that's what i say ish when i say that we're kind of in the same situation because the ish makes it like some people have it worse some people have it better yeah because so many people are really struggling right now and it's not even just like you have a job and i don't it's more like i can't do this mm-hmm. and you can you know even my cousin she hates her job so much but the fact that like she has kids that are at home and she has to feed them it's like i can't just quit my job like that and she likes the financial freedom of having her own money and not relying on her husband and whatnot to make their income my goal is to be financially free at some point in my life yeah (laughs) i was gonna say 30 but the closer you get to 30, oh my God. the farther financial freedom feels. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yo, imagine you, like me, shit. Oh yeah, that's true. You're closer to, th- you're, or, wait, you're 29. Yeah, I'm gonna be 30 soon. The big 3-0. So what are your thoughts on turning 30? Honestly, I don't feel like I'm turning 30. I still feel like a kid a lot of the times. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, you don't look like you're turning 30 either. Yeah, I know. That's for a lot sure. of people tell me that. Yeah. You still look young. You're blessed in that area. Because uh, I don't know how I'm going to look in five years, to be honest. I think it's uh, the genes on my mom's side. Everyone on my mom's side looks young. Yeah. And then their age. 
they have good genes. Even my grandma, she's she's gonna be ninety-two. Um, no, sorry, she's gonna be ninety, and uh, at the end of this month. And even her, she doesn't look like she's ninety. She looks like she's in her mid sixties, seventies. Wow, mm-hmm. that's crazy. Yeah, but it's I think it's because my grandma's active. She always constantly likes to do stuff. And she has her garden in the back that she does. And she's always moving around. She's not just sitting in one place. Man, people really take it, like, people really don't take it seriously, the whole staying active thing. Um, Staying active? Yeah. Like, I never really, to be completely honest, I wasn't exactly, like, a stay active advocate until recently. Um, When I started, like, noticing, like, how it affects elderly people, because some people are 60 and thriving and some people are like 50 and really struggling Mm -hmm. or like in their 40s and they're really struggling and it's crazy because it's like it's so easy to say this much exercise or this much this and i i think that it's um it's the way society frames it that kind of makes it so complicated i don't think staying active is getting x amount minutes of exercise I think it's a lifestyle. Yeah. Like choosing to take the stairs instead of the elevator, mm-hmm. if you can, of course. And um, choosing to walk instead of driving. And choosing to use a stand-up desk instead of sitting down the whole day. Like it's things like that. Because your, your body can't... If you work out for 30 minutes and then you're laying down for the rest of the day... It's not worth it. Yeah. You have to keep moving. Yeah. That's- is just moving around even doing housework is a form of exercise itself yeah and I could see this like in with my parents especially because um for my mom I feel like she's really struggling with like things like body pain and stuff mm-hmm. and she's she's not even like elderly or anything but like she struggles with staying active you know and even when we were much younger we were of course more active because we were younger but my mom, she kind of struggled with that quite a bit, especially being like a stay-at-home mom kind of thing. Um, and then I've even seen like some elderly people here in Toronto who are really struggling because they they go to like classes and stuff for our seniors and they do yoga, but then they come home and they nap. And then, you know, and it's okay to nap, of course. You know, you have to go at your body's pace, but. But even um, walks alone, like if you do an hour a day, it burns more calories than if you're working out for 30 minutes intensely. And walks too, they're good for your mind. They just clear it out. So you're reducing your stress levels and you're getting that physical thing your body needs. Staying active is like so important, not just with your mind, but like physically too, because otherwise you, you become so forgetful and like, I think like one of the leading like causes of dementia and Alzheimer's is like not having some kind of a routine or like not having much to do or mm-hmm. something. I remember seeing that somewhere. But that's why um, it's so important to like work your mind and your body every day. Like even if it's 30 minutes every day to just read for 30 minutes and work out for 30 minutes. Yeah. Like I'm pretty sure even your grandmother who you said is 90 yeah like she's not only is she physically active she's also Mm -hmm. like mentally like she's doing well yeah Mm -hmm. some other people they they would not be in the same kind of like that's why like they my grandparents read a lot my grandfather every day too um he would 
he would just get a newspaper and read it out and then he would have books too that he would read yeah so he's like yeah if you don't work this like how are you supposed to have anything else and he's like whatever you have in your mind here no one can take it away they can take away everything but if you have knowledge you can rebuild everything oh my god that's so true yeah he would always like his two his like the two lessons I learned from my grandparents, like my grandfather before he passed away, he's always like, take your education because knowledge is powerful and no one can take that away from you. Mm-hmm. And then my grandma, she's like, always have love in your heart, never hate anyone because like it's it's better for you. And it, um, I don't know, she was saying like something how it is for your biology, but she's like, always have love in your heart for everyone. Even if they do you wrong, learn to love them anyways because they're struggling too with other things. Wow. Yeah, those are two life lessons I've learned from my grandparents. You could write a whole book on just that. Yeah. Because it's it's so complex too at the same time. Um, a lot of people don't like really really take it for granted. Yeah. You know? Like the whole like having love in your heart and stuff. It's it's like for me especially. <laughs> my my um when my grandpa passed away, that's what my mom started doing. She started writing a book with all the sayings or lessons that my grandpa taught like her and her siblings growing up she's still working on it but she's so scared she's like I don't want to like release it to the public she's like I just want to keep all my novels to myself and then she's like "Uh, maybe when I'm retired I'll release them yeah I think a lot of people kind of like have that dilemma especially when writing like a little like um memoir kind of Mm -hmm. situation because I do want to write one as well because I think my um my life has a lot to uh like a lot of uh, things went down, I guess, that I think would be enjoyable for some to read. Yeah. Not for me, of course. It wasn't enjoyable for me at all. I'll but, read your book. That's a yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, as much as I would love to put my story out there, you know, things get misinterpreted and stuff like that. And not everyone is going to be supportive. So that kind of holds me back a little bit. But again, like your mother said, maybe when I retire. <laughs> She's like, at least it'll give me something to do. Keep busy. Yeah, I would totally buy that book though, hands down. I'm not a writer, my mom is, but she always wanted, she was always into that stuff since she was younger. She just, she knew she wouldn't make money out of it Mm -hmm. for a living. So then she did other things too. Yeah. Because she likes her. Because whenever I entered uh, CJAP, I wanted to become a journalist. Mm-hmm. yeah my mom too like she did it at the side but she's like I'm not making much money out of it I'm not making a living so I'll just do it for fun and then get another job yeah and um especially because your mom was a lot younger and like we were living in a different time as well and right now it's like so competitive the field and especially with all the technological advances there's kind of like like almost like everyone can become a journalist almost like there's like even like there's literally like this thing called citizen journalism where like tweets are considered journalism yeah and And it just you know it it hits me in a point where like my like little like 16 year old self gets really hurt hearing those kind of things because I I really wish I was born in a different time Mm -hmm. I would be thriving as a journalist in like the 80s or 90s or something yeah well my mom my mom wasn't thriving then <laughs> so oh she was in the 80s when when she was yeah. oh, like, oh. It, yeah. 
But my mom was scared too. She wasn't the type to just like take chances like that. Yeah. I mean, it's I like, like, it's I'm like that too. Because um, I think so long term. So whenever I'm, whatever I'm doing, I, I think about it a lot. And I think about where is this going? Like even with this whole podcast situation, as much as I would love to just sit here and record and throw it on YouTube, I want to be able to like, you know, think about it in long term. And I think like, oh, what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Yeah, my mom too and my ex too, they were like that. They always thought of like long term, how their actions were going to affect everything and everyone around them. They didn't think like short term. I feel like I'm more like the short term. I think like, oh, how's it going to affect me more in the moment? Not how's it going to affect me years down the line? I think it's really important to have balance though, for sure. Because um, everything in life is about balance. Because when you're thinking so long term, I think you you kind of restrict yourself a little bit. By the time we have kids, there's going to be a whole unrecognizable world, I feel like. I feel like the way I grew up as a kid and then the way that we have to parent, it's going to be so different. Yeah, you kind of need to balance it. Like my cousin, I know she's struggling. She she doesn't want to keep them away from technology, but at the same time, she doesn't want them to use it too much. So she only gives them an hour time, but they're not allowed to like... They can only go on certain things. They're only allowed YouTube. They're not allowed to have social media. My cousin's like, no, not until you're 18. And then, um, uh, like, even outside, she tries to like, get them outside more than inside. That's really good, actually. It's like, she's like, it's hard to find that balance because you can't keep them away from either because then they'll be like, nobody's in societies. You want to integrate them in society. But at the same time, too much of it is not good for their brains. I remember... Um... As a, like we were in secondary five and I was one of the first people in my friend group to have a phone and a few other kids in the grade had their phones too just for like security purposes like being able to contact your parents kind of thing I remember one of my other friends like she didn't have a phone and then we were all starting to get our phones and stuff and she had an iPod touch and she was just like going wild like with like Instagram Twitter this that and I'm just like whoa yeah, it's crazy because like you buy an iPod for a kid and then they're doing all this. Yeah. And it's like, why did I even bother? <laughs> it sucks with social media because it makes me wonder what is social media catering towards? Because I understand using your phone and then you have social media on it too. Mm-hmm. Like you have like the little messaging apps and stuff, but then you have like iPads and like you have desktop version of the social media and then you have like an ipod or like whatever that has these like social media applications so it makes me wonder like if you don't have to have like a sim card or like a phone line to use these like who are they catering towards i know it's towards younger people but i feel like they're catering towards much much younger audiences too yeah and it's it's also a constant connection like you always want to be connected and someone but it's not always the best way to go about it yeah that is true i think they they provide um all those options to to provide more flexible connectivity so you could switch between your laptop and your phone type of thing i think we had this conversation before we're saying like who creates all these technologies it's obviously the older generation but then they have these mixed messages like oh kids are too much on their phones millennials this 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 but they're the ones who are creating the technology and advertising towards us so obviously you're targeting it's not our fault it's your fault for creating it and advertising it to us yeah 
it was uh it was for my research project i was kind of like researching like uh digital marketing and all that and like the generational gap kind of thing and it was crazy how much like baby boomers think we're so obsessed with our phones but it's like it's the like generation x creating all this all right folks that's all for today thank you so much for listening subscribe like and follow us on instagram youtube google play itunes and spotify (laughs) 